2: Hello, thank you for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, we're continuing part two in a series with members of our Facilities Design Committee. And it's about the elements of designing a cannabis dispensary. So Kevin Quinlan was on the show for part one. He's an entrepreneur and serves as principal of Mintropy, specializing in mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and fire protection, design consulting services, in support of cannabis cultivation and retail facilities. His company, Mintropy's design approach, strives to find ways to incorporate our technical advancements back into harmony with Mother Nature. And then joining me on this episode is Brian Anderson, a founding partner of Anderson Porter Design with over 25 years of experience and a focus on cannabis industry projects. Brian has now designed facilities for cultivation, totaling over 3 million square feet, and he's designed nearly 50 retail dispensaries. He's developed a proven process of project delivery in the cannabis industry and is an active member of the Lean Construction Institute, implementing lead method lean methods in facility design and the construction process. Welcome back to the show, Kevin, and welcome, Brian. Thank you. Thank
3: Thanks. you, Bethany.
2: Wonderful. So as I mentioned, this is a multi-part. Series with our committee members. Uh, We already learned a little bit about Kevin in the last episode about how he got into the industry and why and things he did prior to getting involved in cannabis. So, Brian, I guess it's your turn. Let's hear more about your background and different things that you did before getting involved in the cannabis space.
4: Yeah, thanks. Uh, So, I indeed had a career prior to embarking within the cannabis industry. Um, I started my career literally designing stores for Levi Strauss. Uh, we did retail stores across Canada, uh, mostly mall stores and outlet stores in the United States, designed flagship stores in major metropolitan areas, um, North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, Times Square in New York, um, San, San Francisco, Seattle, etc. So deep, deep background in retail on my side. Um, and uh, had a career as a general practitioner for about 20 years from 1994 to 2014 when cannabis started up on my radar in Massachusetts. Uh, I'm located in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And uh, we had a variety of experiences in addition to retail that made cannabis a really good fit for us as designers and for us as architects. And now since 2014, I haven't looked back. This is what I do 100% of my
2: time. Love that. Um, What attracted you to the cannabis industry? Uh, I mean, professionally, it is kind of an exciting emerging new industry as well. But I wonder what other reasons you might have for jumping into this still federally illegal space.
4: You know, I always say that, um, folks, I I really like working with this group, Uh, you know, Everybody's been, t- in, in. the people I meet have all been told no forever, right? No, you can't smoke weed behind the gym. No, you can't grow that in the basement. And no, I'm not going to give you $10 million to build your dream facility, right? Everybody's been told no. And yet this industry has become a billion-dollar industry in the United States. I love that spirit. Um, we were talking earlier, you know, about also, so that's my, that's why I'm involved in, in cannabis because it fits I found my people um, and really exciting news is what the state of New York is doing. I wanted to get that in that uh, New York state's um, adult use program the CAURD, the conditional uh, adult use retail dispensary program is going to build 150 stores over the next three years. Uh, and uh, my firm is involved on two of those teams now uh, hired by the um, state of New York to help design stores. So we may do up to 30 stores in New York over the next three years.
2: That is really exciting. And New York is one of those keystone type of states that we were waiting for legalization, much like Michigan was a huge state to go adult use. California took a little while to get there. Uh, yeah, these- uh, these 20 million like- people. Yeah, there's
4: 20 million people in New York. And the state of New York is backing the construction of 150 stores. That's staggering. No other state has put state money- into the securing of real estate and the support of a a social equity program. I think it's very exciting.
2: It is, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, Sounds like you're poised for a very busy 2023. (laughs) And 24 and 25, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I love that we can start looking that far into the future here in this industry. Uh, You know, nine, 10 years ago was the experiment explosion and here right. we are now with 2021 states with adult use legal cannabis and 39 or more with some form of medical so it's it's pretty incredible i think we're poised for a bright future despite our continued struggles at the federal level yep so as i mentioned this series is a continuation of from the last episode on elements of designing a cannabis dispensary. And it, it was a collaboration between two committees, the retail committee and the facilities design committee. I want to talk a bit more about our committees. We're about to seat our new term here in January 2023. NCIA members can apply to serve on a committee and contribute with their fellow NCIA members on thought leadership, best practices, policy recommendations. It's really bringing the minds and expertise together. So I kind of just wanted to talk about committees for a few minutes before we we take our first commercial break and get into the nitty gritty. Sure. Um, Brian, since we're already chatting, can you talk about your experience with ncia and participating on the committees
4: yeah you know mine is an interesting story i joined ncia in 2017 and as a member and that was great 2017, 2018 2019 i was like scratching my head let me look at these committee things and there were nine at the time in 2019 and i there was nothing focused on there was no facility design committee at the time and i I knew A.C. Braddock. She was the um, chair of the board at the time. And I said, A.C., there's no facility design committee. We need to be talking about, you know, GMP from the federal level. We need to be talking about standardization. And she's like, great, you chair it and I'll be on it. And so A.C. Braddock.
2: (laughs) Signed yourself up for a little bit of work there, huh? (laughs) I opened
4: my mouth, true military fashion. I got volunteered for the thing I was trying to make happen. So that was four years ago now. And um, it's been great. It's been great, and Kevin's been with us what one or two years now, Kevin? Yeah, for a little bit. Uh, it, it's it was my first year this year, but
3: uh, I think we started back in September. Yeah, started,
4: started working. Yeah, yeah, so so a lot of great members. Yeah, a lot of great members on facility design, and I've thrown my hat in the ring to the retail committee uh, for next year, and we'll see if I get we'll see if I get selected for that. But um, I'm hoping to be on the retail committee next this coming year.
2: Love that. Committee hopping. Why not? Yes. yes. Uh, Kevin, did you want to talk a bit more about your experiences on the committee and just being involved with NCIA in general? It's been interesting these last couple of years during COVID where we couldn't really get out and about. So everything that we were doing digitally and online, like our webinar series, the industry essentials, really, really put a lot of effort into that. This podcast, of course, continued. And the committees really were able to produce a lot of great content as well, um, Kevin, was that your experience? Yeah, yeah
3: absolutely. Um, I would say from the beginning, you know, just the group welcoming with open arms, and and really, I think what NCIA does—that's a little bit different than maybe other organizations out there. They really are trying, um, and this is my experience directly with with the folks that are sitting on the board. Um, really trying to emphasize the contributions. Um, to the industry as opposed to say a more of a pay-to-play sort of um atmosphere uh so that uh, you know ncaa i think is doing a really good job of trying to find those people that are are moving the industry um and and trying to get their take on it and and their insight and and i applaud them for that
2: well thanks yeah there's a lot of wisdom collective wisdom of all these committee members and and the members as well who don't participate in committees, like thousands of years worth of expertise, really all coming together to contribute toward making this industry better, faster, stronger, smarter, more compliant, and really setting ourselves up for success. I've been really impressed with uh, the work with uh, the GMPs, good manufacturing practices, and I've seen our cannabis manufacturing committee uh, pull in the ASTM standards as well. Yeah, David. Really impressive. Yep. Like we're not, we don't really have to reinvent the wheel here. There's there's resources out there that have been applied to other industries that that we can bring in to ours as well. So that's really exciting for me to get to interact with these committee members and and watch as we yeah. become more sophisticated. Standards
3: yeah. are getting sexy.
2: Ooh, that's field. <laughs> well said standards are getting sexy. On that note, let's take our first commercial break and then we'll come right back and dive into more about The Elements of Designing a Cannabis Dispensary with Brian Anderson and Kevin Quinlan. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we get...
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.
2: And if you love
1: the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A voice to our sponsors. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm Bethany Moore with the National Cannabis Industry Association, chatting with a couple members of our Facilities Design Committee Brian Anderson and Kevin Quinlan, although Brian might be joining the retail committee pretty soon here, so we'll find out. Um, In the previous episode of this series, we focused a lot on the customer experience, but there are other aspects to a cannabis dispensary, like how the design impacts those who work there. The employees are impacted by design. So, you know, when I think about a store or a restaurant, there's the front of the house, so to speak, where the employees are interfacing with the customers. And then there's also the back of the house where maybe they store their lunch and hang their jackets and product is stored or whatever. So I'd like to start by how the front of the house design is impacting employees,
4: yeah um it's a good one thanks bethany so yeah you've got an architect and an engineer right i'm an architect kevin's an engineer (laughs) and um when we look at so we're going to try to put this into perspective sort of relevant things to our audience but also in the in in that in that framework so front of house employees affect obviously, first and foremost, the customer experience, right? So design, how you how you set your store up uh, in terms of making sales, right? If Whether it's directly a, a transactional experience where the POS and the bud tender sales associate is the only contact, or whether it's more of an experiential and your staff walk the floor with the customer um, are two sort of top level differences of how uh, to think about store design and the way in which your employee may need, let's say, you know, an iPad to make a transaction on the floor, if that's going to speed things up, um, you know, what is your Wi-Fi connection? In what is this, You know, what is available for infrastructure uh, to allow that to happen? Technology, um, Internet of Things, can how can you inc- improve that customer experience through technology? And the, your staff and the education of your staff go a long way, uh, but so do so does the infrastructure of your facility. Yeah, I, I
3: would, I would agree with everything Ryan had mentioned. I, I would say uh, one thing to, 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 you know, evaluate in the front of the house is those point of sale uh, um, points. Um, and if you are going to go with a, uh, a, a person that's tending that point of sale, or if those are automated, if, um, if they are automated, then um Things need to be considered from an electric perspective, Um, perhaps underfloor trenching to bring your electric there. Um, Also, just at a high level, I think it's really important to have uh, a utility analysis done in the beginning to make sure that you have enough electric capacity, you have enough natural gas capacity, you have those utility um, capacities uh, so that you can... Can build around this vision um, uh, to 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 bring that to life, and I think this is really co- quite interesting in the cannabis retail space. These uh, customer experiences that Brian is is talking about,
2: yeah, yeah, that's interesting to think about. You know, the the stable, secure, standard register area where you can probably hardwire things in pretty easily to make the transaction. But the idea of the roaming employee who's got the iPad, it makes me think of restaurants where they they bring,
4: exactly the,
2: yeah, they bring in, a, a, they don't bring you the check, they bring you an iPad and you just handle it right at the table. Yep. Um, that certainly can speed things up and uh, prevent there from being, um, you know, a long line and everyone's getting their attention uh, that they need as a customer. Interesting.
4: Another thing, Bethany, is it speeds up sales is buy online and pick up in store. And so what in many retail aspects, we're trying to train the customer to place their orders online. And that also speeds up sales. So one thing Kevin just mentioned or alluded to is the idea of kiosks, P- kiosks where there's not even an employee and if there's a long line, for example, the, st- the, uh, the customer can just wander up to a kiosk and place their order and then go down to the end of the fulfillment window and pick up their order without having to interface with the staff. And hopefully the goal of that is to, you know, is to think about that next time you want to place your order, you just do it before you leave the house, right? How many of us buy our Starbucks, you know, want to skip that line, just place the order and just go and pick it up and be out of there really fast, speeds up the throughput of a retail store.
2: Yeah, that became very popular during, uh, the pandemic. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they were absolutely encouraging, um, encouraging customers to go ahead and place their order in advance and they would bring it right out to the car at that point, sure. you would just text them and they would bring it out to the car. Um, so that was interesting. And I, I, it's good for the customer that like knows what they want really, you know, and they don't need a consultation. They just want that their favorite gummy and their favorite cartridge right. and an That's eighth right. of that. And they're good to go and out the door. Yep. Excellent. Let's talk about the back of house a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Um. So back of
4: house you've got, so we talked about,
2: you know, the customer interaction
4: with the, with the employee, the back of house is all about flow as well. Right. There's, and there's two levels. There's, employee flow and material flow. Um, Right, because you've got products coming in, hopefully they're coming in a back door, not everybody has a, you know, secure private entrance in the back to bring in um, products, but if you do, then you want a place to check them in right you need you need uh, ample IT connections to record the bill of sale, the, the bill of laden, everything that's coming in, making sure that you're checking the product line uh, that's being supplied so that nothing is being shorted or has been omitted from the order. Uh, and then in a, a secure connection right into a vault, right? So flow of product in and out, especially in a busy store that's doing a lot of sales, uh, maybe you need to resupply that store, uh, right? And and it, it becomes difficult and security risks when that supply has to come in the front door. So when you know we always think about how to design a store, And that's real estate dependent, obviously. Uh, But if possible, we like to have a product come in a separate flow uh, through the back uh, and right into a vault. And and the other is, you mentioned at the top of the call, right? All the things to keep employee turnover at a minimum are break rooms and, you know, a microwave and a refrigerator and a wave so that staff don't have to leave and go to a sandwich shop at, at noon, right? That you can mm-hmm. keep it, you know, that you can, um, I mean, even s- simple things like, you know, how electrical outlets is really mundane, but electrical outlets can be designed to have USB jacks in them, right? So if you're sitting at, you know, at your lunch break, you can plug your iPhone in right there where you're sitting and recharge it, right? Just really simple things that could be done to, to enhance the employee experience, right? As opposed to having to put your phone over there in a corner because that's the only outlet available for you to plug your, your, your charger in.
2: Yeah. Right. Making it friendly yeah. for the employees. Yeah. Make their lives a little bit easier so they can yeah. give better, better customer experience.
4: Right. Because turnover is so high in the cannabis industry. Employee turnover is enormously high. So anything an employer can do through design to make it, right, gracious, friendly, accommodating uh, to, to, the, to the staff uh, and, you know, that's comes to just, you know, think about you want to you want to break you want an office, a manager's office, so you don't have to hire and fire people right on the floor of the of the sales floor right you want to have a private space in order to do that. It's really, <laughs> yeah. really important.
2: Good point. Kevin anything to add yeah. about back of the house.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, touching on the vault space and and where we bring all, all of our um, data back to empower the IT closet, I think those are two things that, you know, we as MEP engineers have to pay special attention to, particularly the vault and this concept of, of, of zoning. Um, you know, it's always sort of the owners and contractors prerogative to save as much money as they can right um uh it, it, it is important to pay special attention to creating a separate zone using uh, yes. a, a separate unit for that vault to maintain um, the correct environmental conditions for flower um that's mm. relative humidity temperate Temperature settings and and sometimes these things get overlooked in the beginning, um, and they're not implemented into into the design. And and a lot of times with HVAC especially, you're kind of married to it. Uh, yep. Once you once you um, you know design those systems, put them in, it's very hard to change. So uh, I, I would recommend again on the early side getting getting somebody uh, getting a you know professional engineer, getting an architect that really knows how to lay out these these facilities, the flow of the facilities and the function of the facilities like Brian's describing. Um, I'd also say just on the IT side, IT closet side, you want to pay special attention to those heat loads and and how to, how to maintain uh, the appropriate temperatures for that equipment. And uh, that also kind of peaks into HVAC design and, um, uh, you know, depending on exactly how much heat is coming out of that space. But something that uh, needs to be looked at on the front end. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm.
4: Bethany, mm-hmm. I have so many anecdotes about the vault that Kevin just outlined perfectly. Customers who wanted to save money by only putting in one mechanical system that did not have an ability to maintain the temperature and humidity in the vault different from that of the of the retail floor. If you if you tune your system to accommodate the vault, the people on your retail on the you know on the sales yeah. floor are freezing. Or it's right, it's in, you can't, one system has a very hard time doing both of those things. And while it's attractive to save money and only put in one system, Kevin's point is spot on. I've got customers who call back and complain, how come there's not a, how come is the temperature in the
2: vaults exactly the same as it is on the floor? Mm -hmm. Because there's only one system. Right, right. Yeah, uh, we have to take a commercial break here. But yeah, that the discussion prior just reminded me of places I worked like 20 plus years ago where the, the break room was just so like dumpy and junky and offered nothing and there's just- product that needs to be stocked all over the back in a big mess and nothing to offer employees not even a fridge but yeah it's nice nice to see some more amenities available for the employees especially with our high turnover in our industry All right, let's take that last commercial break and then we'll come back and maybe we'll dive a bit more into that technology aspect about those temperatures and HVAC and server rooms. So let's take that break and then we'll be right back. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice and we're wrapping up our conversation here with Brian Anderson and Kevin Quinlan in 2022 both served on ncia's facilities design committee and we just started to jump into a little bit about the technology behind the scenes uh you know the wires the machines the server rooms i in a previous life i had a very technical role and i saw these server rooms there's there's towers of of machines and wires everywhere and the the phrase wire management was something that got ingrained in my brain. <laughs> let's let's dive into that for a couple of minutes here.
4: Sure. Well, everybody knows about secu- what what pro- what a primary role security plays in the cannabis industry, and um, those securities those security uh, uh, details are dictated by the whatever they're called Office of Cannabis Management or the Cannabis Control Commission. Whatever your state is going to dictate the uh, equipment, coverage, glass breaks, emergency alarms, those all come from, from the dictates of, of state control. But all of that is digitally tied into um, the recording and the amount of days or, and amount of data that needs to be stored on site. And Kevin was mentioning that room earlier, the, 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 the data room, and you just described it brilliantly with all the, visually, with all the wires hanging out of the server racks. Um, those rooms are heat generators. That Those mm-hmm. racks of data equipment are heat generators. And uh, for that equipment to, to work properly, someone like Kevin has to evaluate. Now, Kevin, I'll let Kevin talk about that as well. They have to evaluate that heat and how to cool it.
3: Yeah, definitely. So yeah, depending on how many points of sale, depending on what your input is and how many server racks you're gonna have a certain amount of heat generated. So there's a couple different ways that we can relieve that. Either you have mechanical cooling, which is an HVAC unit, nothing super special there, but need to really understand the heat load, or sometimes we can reject that heat with an exhaust fan, simple louver system. Um as far as you know, some of the the volt uh specifics, you know, typically You know, there's a range of of different temperatures um, that that people will refer to, but typically we're aiming somewhere around 65, uh, you know, 65, 70 degrees uh f and somewhere between 55 to 65 percent relative humidity and so we really need to be careful about how we how we size that hvac equipment and how we maintain that humidity level in that space as well as how we are exhausting that room um specifically on the filtration side that so that we don't become a pest from an odor perspective to our neighbors so carbon filtration etc i'll try not to or with you guys with all the specific details, but these sorts of things really need to be be uh, integrated into
2: into the design. That's right. Mm-hmm. I think some of that probably got covered in one of the um, blogs that the committee has contributed. Uh, over the year Uh, absolutely really yeah really thorough information available yeah
3: and going back to what Brian had said if we have you know if we have a single zone one single temperature throughout the space and you know the product storage is of high importance uh, typically those are a little bit lower than those temperatures are a little bit lower than human comfort so yeah you don't you don't really want to mix the two so uh kind of staying keeping those systems separate um is is, is pretty important and i like the anecdote that, that that brian had mentioned also i think going along with that um i'll, I'll try to wrap it up here on, on the on the plumbing side i think um you know one thing that is is not required by code um is is having um Restrooms for customers, and I think that's something that also needs to be kind of discussed early on in design what kind of uh, what kind of role that would play and what kind of uh, impact that has on your sales and your, your store's viability um, and and you know furthermore, uh, how do you get that infrastructure in um,
2: yeah so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and do you keep it separate from customers and employees things like that right, that's right. yeah, that's right, cool. Well, we are running out of time here, but before we wrap up, I want to make sure everyone knows that NCIA is hitting the road. We've got a whole host of events coming in 2023. We'll be in 11 cities plus the District of Columbia starting on January 25th with our first industry social taking place in St. Louis, Missouri, and we'll be everywhere. We'll be in San Francisco, we'll be in Boston, Miami, um portland and seattle two of my favorite cities we're also going to have a cannabis caucus event which is a little more policy update focused here in colorado and all these events are leading up to ncia's 11th annual cannabis industry lobby days in Washington, D.C., May 16th, 17th, and 18th. So it's a good time to start planning, plan to go on tour with us. If you're an NCIA member, register you and your team. Of course, we have sponsorship opportunities if you want to get your brand out in front of your fellow uh, in cannabis industry colleagues. So reach out to NCIA. You can email sponsorship at the or head to our website, thecannabisindustry.org, and find more information. Hey, thank you both for jumping on with me today as well to continue this series. Um, I, I, there's so much to talk about, really, and we barely scratched the surface. So, um, a, Thank you for the high-level interview here as we take a deep dive. It's been a pleasure chatting with you both.
4: Awesome. You're quite welcome. And thank you for the opportunity and uh, love love the chance to talk with Kevin and uh, get this information out there. So thank yeah, you.
3: Thank you both, guys. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices,